So we're going to uh, move into our message now, and so you can grab your teaching notes out of your Connect newsletter, um, and uh, we're going to try and work this out because we do want to use them a little bit more, but we recognise that often for families, you'll just grab one of those and you might need more. Um, so we will probably print some extra copies of that uh, in the weeks ahead, um, but at this stage, we'll just make do for today. Uh, and part of the reason for that is, as I said, we want to use more time to be able to actually reflect on what God's saying to us as we make our way through this time. I know a number of you have said that you've found it really helpful being at home and jotting some notes down and being able to have conversations with each other about the things that we've been talking about. So uh, that's what we're going to jump into. So as we begin today's message, I want to ask you a question to say, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word Church. So you might want to jot something down, think about a word or a phrase or an image that comes to mind when you hear the word church. It's the first thing that comes to mind for you. For a lot of us, I think, because this is our first time all being back together, there's probably an element where we recognise how great it is that the church is people and that we're really, really glad that we're a part of this family of people and uh, that the church is supposed to be about brothers and sisters who journey together and connect with each other. But some of us might think of a building, so we think about going to a church building. Some of us might think about a program, so our services and the idea of going to church. So we have all sorts of different ideas about what the church looks like. Now, if we went out onto Henley Beach Road and we asked some people out there this morning, what's the first word that you think of when you hear the word church? We would possibly get some very different answers. They might say they think of something that's very traditional, Or they might think of something that's very irrelevant. They might be someone who's been really hurt by the church and so they might have some very negative connotations. They may well think of this building. But obviously all of us just bring, there's so much that's loaded into this one word, church. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is to unpack what the Bible says about what the church is supposed to be. We thought that as we re-begin our time together, as we re-begin this idea of meeting together, we want to make sure that we're looking at the best original version of what the church is supposed to be and what it is that Scripture says about it. Because Scripture uses a number of different metaphors, word pictures of what the church is all about. So today we're going to talk about the word family. Next week we're going to talk about the idea of a body. We're going to talk about the idea of a temple. We're going to talk about the idea of us being God's workers who work together, and we're even going to use the metaphor of a footy team, which, given how the Crows are going this year, is something that's going to be a little hard to do, but it's a few weeks away, so who knows what will have happened by then. But we want to keep coming back to this original version of what the Bible tells us that the church was always supposed to be, and say, how do we continue to push ourselves into that? And so, as I said, today we're going to talk about the idea of the church being like family. And family is another interesting word as well, because all of us have different ideas when we think about the word family. So for some of us, when we think about family, we think about really positive things. We grew up in a healthy family, or we're part of a healthy family, and so it brings up all these really positive memories. Others of us haven't had that experience, and so we might have grown up in a very broken family, or we've experienced some real challenges in our families, and so family isn't necessarily a positive word. For others of us, family is something that maybe was good once upon a time but isn't as much now because of fractured relationships or because of people who aren't with us anymore. And so again, we recognise that all of us bring a lot of stuff into this word family. And so that's why we've talked regularly about it being one of the key phrases for us 
as a church, the idea of us being spiritual family. And we have talked about four key components of what we believe a healthy family looks like. The first is that it's a place where you can be authentic. So family is somewhere where you can be real, you can be genuine, you can be honest, you don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. You can be authentic. Family is also supposed to be a place where you are accepted. It's a place where you feel like you belong, where regardless of your background, regardless of the things that you're working through, regardless of your belief, you're accepted and you're welcomed and you know that you're a part of that family. Family should also be a place that's encouraging, a place where you're cheered on about the things that are going well in your life, but also a place where you're encouraged to push out and to step out into things and to grow into the best version of who you've been created to be. It gives you courage to be able to face your fears and to step out into things that you might not do otherwise. And then family is also supposed to be a place that is supportive, a place where you know that you've got people around you who've got your back a place where you can turn to when things come crashing down, a place where you've got a shoulder to cry on, even if at the moment physically it's not an actual shoulder that you can cry on. But those are the four key elements that we have talked about a lot in terms of what we mean when we say the word family. And we believe that that's in a healthy family. Those are the things that are present as well. Now, do we get that right 100% of the time? Of course we don't, because we're human and we make mistakes. But as a church, that's our aspiration, is to keep striving to be more and more like that in those four key areas. And as I said, all of us come from all of these different family backgrounds, and so some of us have experienced those things in our lives, and it's been really, really positive, and we know what those things mean. But even those of us who come from broken backgrounds yearn for that, There's something that's baked into us that just knows what family is supposed to be like. And it's a part of the reason why when families do experience brokenness, it hurts so much because we know this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. And we believe that's because that's how God created us. That God always wanted us to experience family. It's baked into our DNA and what our relational connections are supposed to look like and feel like. So, one of the passages that we're going to look at today is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It says these absolutely remarkable words. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now those words, when you actually stop and think about the implications of that, are absolutely mind-blowing. Before the creation of the world, God made a decision to say what he wanted was to adopt us into his family. And that was something that brought him great joy and pleasure. It wasn't something which he begrudgingly did, or he was like, oh, I suppose that'll work out. It brought him great joy and pleasure. This was God's original plan. And I kind of have this picture of God before the creation of the world, sitting around a table, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with all these pieces of paper out on the table, doing a brainstorming session, working out what they were going to do. We're going to create the universe, we're going to create the world, we're going to create humanity. What should we do here? And I have this picture that on one of the pieces of paper was written this massive word that had a big circle around it, which was the word family. Whatever it is that we do, whatever it is that we create, that's got to be front and centre. 
That's the experience that we want these people to have once we get around to the creating. That's mind-blowing. That's what God's plan was all along, the whole way through. And when we wrestle with that, it can challenge our notions and some of our understandings about what God is like. Because I don't know about you, but often I fall into the trap of thinking that my responsibility is to try and please God or to try and impress God or to try and show God that I'm good enough or that I'm worthy enough to be able to be accepted by him. The implications of these verses are that that is something that's just a ridiculous thing to try and do. Because before the creation of the world, before anything was made, before I had a chance to try and prove myself worthy, God had already made the decision that he wanted me to be a part of his family. And that's true for every single one of us. For each of you today, you are accepted and adopted into God's family right now as things are. You belong as one of God's sons or daughters. Now, staggering as that is, we want to recognise that Paul is talking in a specific context as well. As Paul writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, he's writing in a context where they would have understood what adoption looked like. And it wouldn't be terribly different to what it is today, but there's an understanding that for someone who was adopted into a family, they were given the same rights and privileges as the other people who were already a part of that family and the same inheritance which was a very significant thing in Paul's time because inheritance was a really big deal. It said something about you based on what your inheritance was. Now, last weekend, uh, we celebrated my birthday because my birthday was on Wednesday and I had a fairly full work day. So last Saturday, we got some Indian food and then I forced Josh and Rachel to watch Les Mis because it's one of my favourite movies <laughs> and one of my favourite musicals of all time. And uh, so it's my birthday, this is what we're going to watch. And so if you know that story, if you know that musical, Cosette is adopted into a family, but she's very much a second-class citizen in that. And sometimes that's what we can think as well, that we're not really accepted, we're just kind of off to the side and we'll try not to make too much of a fuss. That's not at all the picture of what God has done for us. We're adopted fully with all of the rights, all of the privileges, the same inheritance as everyone else. And most remarkably... As Jesus. Because if we're adopted into God's family as brothers and sisters of Jesus, we're adopted with the same rights and privileges as Jesus. God sees us the same way as he sees Jesus. <laughs> think about that and let that hit home for a minute. As staggering as all that is, we also recognise that Paul is writing this not just to a group of individuals, but to a collective group and saying you collectively have been adopted into God's family as well. And so for us as a church, it's the other thing that we recognise, that this isn't just about you've been adopted into God's family and you've been adopted and you've been adopted into God's family. We collectively as a church have been adopted into God's family as well. And so it's not just about our individual relationship with God, but about our relationships with each other as well. And so that's why when we come together, we kind of want to have the feel of an extended family gathering. And hopefully all of you have experienced positive versions of that, whether that's with your own family or whether that's being invited into someone else's family for Christmas or for some other big celebration. That sense, again, of knowing that you can just be yourself, that you're fully accepted, that you're encouraged, that you're supported. There's just something about being able to be together. 
That's the feel that we want to have in our gatherings when we gather together. Kind of like, isn't it great to see each other again, be able to do some family things with each other? So, we fast forward then, and Jesus arrives on the scene. And Jesus, who we do understand was around before the creation of the world and was part of all that planning, comes along and clearly had an expectation that this is actually something that was fulfilled because of him. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 50, we read that Jesus was speaking to a crowd and his mum and his brothers showed up on the scene. And so someone said to Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he pointed to his disciples and he said, look, these are my brothers, my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, this has often been used as kind of an understanding of Jesus saying something really controversial here, that there was clearly some family tension that was going on. And so Jesus was saying, I'm not really interested in my mum or my brothers. They're kind of annoying. So I've decided this is my new family. All of my disciples, they're my family, and I don't really care who these people are, so tell them to go away. Now, we recognise there may have been some tension in Jesus' family because if you think about it, growing up with Jesus as your brother probably would have been a challenge. Son of God, perfect, never made any mistakes, you know, probably would have created some dynamics. But we don't at all believe that that's what Jesus is trying to say here. Jesus is rather saying things the other way. This is my mother and my brothers who I love dearly. This is my family. And guess what? All of you are a part of that as well. Jesus clearly saw that this plan that was created before the beginning of the world was something that had become a reality. And as he looked around at the people who were following him, he said, if you are choosing to align yourself with what God's got for you, you're in. You're one of my brothers. You're one of my sisters. You're a part of my family, the same as my mum and my brothers are. If we fast forward a little bit further on, we then have Paul writing to a young leader in the church named Timothy. And Paul gives some really good advice to Timothy about the implications of all of this, that if we are actually family in the church, how should we treat each other? And so in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul writes these words, Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. So Paul clearly took all of this understanding and what Jesus had said and said, we need to think about how a healthy family functions and that should change the way that we treat each other in our church relationships. Now, in some ways, I think that in the West, we kind of might struggle a little bit to get our heads around this because this idea of treating older people with respect who are part of our families and looking out for younger siblings, sometimes that happens. But I think in lots of other cultures, it's much, much richer. And so I think of uh, Fijian culture, I think of Indian culture, I think of Zimbabwean culture. And when I think of them, there's a much greater level of respect for elders, for those who are older and a greater sense of respecting them and listening to them and learning from their wisdom. And there's a much greater sense of looking out for the younger ones and being able to say, how do we care for and invest you as you come along? Think about Tim and Sania and the way that they invest in AJ and care for her and look out for her and want to be her big brothers. And it's a beautiful picture. And that's what Paul is saying we should be focusing on in the church. 
we should have a greater level of respect for those who are older than us. And not just necessarily in age, but also older than us in their spiritual journey. And for those who are younger than us, especially those who are younger than us in their spiritual journey, we should be looking out for them and saying, how do we care for them? How do we help them? How do we equip them and support them so that they can grow into the best people that they can be? So, that's who we are. As a church, we're supposed to be like a family. And so that should shape our mindset, that should shape our expectations about what it looks like for us to gather together. It should shape our interactions with each other and it should shape the sorts of things that we're trying to do together. We recognise that primarily we're not a social club. We're not a program that we show up to and we consume some content and then we head home. We're supposed to be a family. That's the picture that the Bible gives us loud and clear that is supposed to be who we are. And that then shapes the way that we should focus on each other and treat each other. So here's the opportunity that I'm going to give you to be able to do a little bit of reflecting. So on your teaching notes there, and the question's going to be up on the screen as well, there's this question. What would change if my first thought about our church was that we are a family? So what would change if the first thing that I thought of when I thought of Brooklyn Park Church of Christ was we are a family. I want to give you an opportunity to be able to take some time to think about that. So for those who haven't been a part of our online services, this is a part of what we've been doing, is saying just take a couple of minutes to be able to jot some thoughts down. Uh, We've encouraged people to have conversations with each other. So if you want to chat quietly with the person who's next to you, you can feel free to do that as well. Uh, There'll be some background music that'll be playing. Uh, Ali's going to do that today because our laptop was playing up. One of our joys of coming back into things. Um, so, but we want to just have some music so it's not super awkward. But I want you to think about that. If the first thought you had about Brooklyn Park Church of Christ was that we're a family, what would change? Now, a few ideas for you. For some of us, it could be that it's a really, really amazing new understanding to recognise that before the creation of the world, you were chosen to be a part of God's family. And that is not in jeopardy whatsoever. And so one of the things that could be a change for you is to say, what would happen if every day I got up and I told myself as I looked in the mirror while I was getting ready, you are a chosen son or daughter of God? How would that change things for me? For others of us, it could be about changing the way that we see each other, that rather than just seeing each other as a group that's kind of loosely connected, we see each other as brothers and sisters. We see each other as people who are more advanced than us and people who are coming along behind us and so that can affect the way that we think about our interactions with each other. For some of us, it could challenge our understanding of the reason that we get together. This idea of us coming together for an extended family gathering rather than coming together to fulfil a bunch of programmatic things, that could be something that's a shift. And for others of us, it could be about stopping and saying, who are the people in my life who don't have this at all? They don't have a supportive family around them. They don't have people who are really close to them. They don't have people that they can be real with. They don't have anywhere that they belong. They don't have anyone who cheers them on. They don't have anyone who's there for them when they're struggling. So there's someone in my life, a neighbour, a friend, a workmate, who maybe I need to talk to them about, this is why church is so important to me, because it is this spiritual family that I belong to, and these are all of the amazing things that come with that. It could be something completely different. Take a couple of minutes and uh, just take some time to jot some things down or as I said, if you want to chat with the person next to you, feel free to do that and then we'll come back together and we'll transition into communion.